and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm Sarah Brickfiner, senior reporter for Glossy Pop, and your host for today's episode featuring dermatologist and entrepreneur, Dr. Davil Bonasali. In addition to seeing patients, Dr. Bonasali has founded multiple companies. They include Skin Medicinals, which allows dermatologists to custom create formulas for their patients at lower prices than traditional prescriptions. Hair Stem Labs, which similarly creates products to aid patients experiencing hair loss and Air Health, a platform that allows dermatologists to create over-the-counter skincare routines from an assortment of previously vetted brands. He's also an advisor to Ephemeral and the dermatologist-in-residence for Haley Bieber's Road. And the list goes on. Dr. Bonasali joined the Glossy Beauty Podcast to discuss his various businesses, his work with Haley Bieber on Road, and how he believes dermatologists can be most effective on social media. Here's my chat with Dr. Bonasali. Hi, Dr. Bonasali. Welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you for many reasons, but one is you are just like, yes, a dermatologist, but not only an entrepreneur, but a serial entrepreneur. So before we dig into, you know, your many businesses, tell me, you know, how long have you been practicing dermatology and when did you get started as a dermatologist? Sure. So I've been in practice for what, about four or five years now, I think. Uh, I graduated in 2015 from my residency, but then I took some time off to start working on some of these projects uh, that have kind of matured since then. Um, But I've been in school, I felt like, or I was in school for what, like 16 years or so before that. So um, it was a bit of a journey, but one I'm thankful to have taken. Did you ever expect, you know, when you started practicing, were you like, yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff on the side as well, too? (laughs) Uh, No, not at all. I come from a family of doctors, and we're always taught to put one foot in front of the other, um, head down, and just kind of do the work. But I think for somebody like me, I don't know if it's like functional ADD or what, but, um, you know, inherently, (laughs) I'm actually not a business person. I just love to solve problems. And every single project we've done in some way, shape, or form has solved a problem that I felt like it needed to be solved. And, you know, I think sometimes when you, like even building a business around that, it's more for sustainability to make sure this this dream can kind of, you know, exist beyond the initial steps. And that's why you kind of build infrastructure around it. But I can honestly say none of them were meant to be what they've become. I mean, nowadays you have a large social media following. You helped Haley Bieber build her skincare brand Road. And you have a number of other businesses on the side. I mean, First of all, one thing I think about all the time, how does someone become a quote, quote, celebrity dermatologist? Like, especially, you know, you haven't even been practicing that long. Like, how did celebrities even know to go to you? <laughs> so, you know, it's probably the one term I'm maybe most embarrassed by. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. I <laughs> <I'm> just. sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, no. Thank you. But it's just, it's, so it's tough, right? Because we're very service oriented. And, um, you know, again, I was raised that way. We're very blue collar of a family. My father is a surgeon. He, you know, he was kind of famous for the pro bono work he did. And I always wanted to emulate that. And so, you know, in our in our situation, Durham is obviously a bit more glamour of a specialty and has that side of it. But, you know, my personal passion is in scar work. I do a lot of, you know, pro bono work around that. Um, I think, you know, it, it's funny because obviously Haley, Martha, the names associated with always get the attention. But I think the practice and uh, and, you know, I think my career were built more on the work we did way before that. And it was a bit of a demand even before we launched anything or anybody knew anything about that stuff based on word of mouth. And, and New York is a beautiful place in that 
I think if you do good work and you're, you know, again, God willing, a good person, like people, like they can feel that and then they share it. And in New York, it just, things snowball very quickly. And we were so fortunate. Um, you know, I was telling um, a colleague recently, they're asking me, they're about to start a practice. And like, what was it like for you? It must've been amazing day one. I'm like, no, I mean, first couple of months of my practice, I was taking homemade cookies to all the doormen around the area, you know, essentially trying to slip in my little flyer into the the residents of the building's uh, mailboxes. And, you know, I was never sure I put my whole life savings into it. And I was never sure I was going to do anything, but, you know, I just get one foot in front of the other, try to do the right thing. Um, and it kind of took off. And then I think all the rest of it kind of came organically. Did you go out on your own right away? Um, no. So I did two years, one at uh, two different practices, one each two different practices. And I tried to learn, one was very much um, cosmetic oriented, one was more medical. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Again, I, I'm kind of in the in-between where I love technology, I love lasers, but I'm not, um, as you know, I, I'm not one of those flashy, like, you know, wearing Dolce Gabbana suits, telling people they need this <laughs> or that. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a normal guy. So, you know, I wanted to experience both ends of it and just kind of understand how things work before finding what fit me and my personality best. And so, you know, I, I think it's important to expose yourself to you know, different opportunities and just get a bit of perspective before, you know, because I think most people, you know, we think we know what we want, but it's not until we really do it till we actually know what we're really passionate about. And sometimes you just have to nurture that feeling you have uh, before jumping all in. So as you mentioned, you have a, a number of businesses, um, some of which are geared at, you know, helping people. I know one of them works to make prescription, topical prescriptions more affordable. Before we dive into the specifics, what, what was the first side project you took on? Um, so it was actually way back, I think in med school, I worked with a, um, a pharmacist on a biotech platform, biotech company, and we he had a chemistry background as well. So I learned about formulations, building businesses, that kind of stuff. Uh, but really for me, it was just, I think it was, I mean, again, medicine, we're very like, it's a very linear process and we, it's very black and white, right? In terms of like, this is how it, things are done. This is how you do it. And it was my first exposure to kind of thinking outside the box, like how does marketing work? How does um, you know, again, building an infrastructure to sustain a project where you need funding or you need to figure out how not to get funding if you, or not to get not to spend money if you don't have money. So it, it yeah. kind of opened up a bit of a different type of thinking. And the project didn't, you know, unfortunately go where it probably should have went. But it was my first exposure to that. Um, when I was in residency, I wanted to be a venture capitalist, but I had no money. So I worked with a development, um, a partner who had a development, uh, like a tech development platform. And we did some like in exchange for um, free development or discounted development. We would take equity in companies. So it was like my hybrid VC model just to learn wow. how to build things. And, you know, I think with that, it really just it laid the initial found, uh, you know, groundwork for the things I ended up doing more long term. And, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, last night at dinner um, who was a little bit lost in terms of what they wanted to do and all that. And I always say every single experience is part of the story. And like every step back is really setting up two steps forward. But sometimes in that moment, we don't realize it. And so you don't have to have everything figured out day one. You you kind of have to take the hits as they come. And then you kind of flourish when the time is right. So what, how, what are the things that are, you know, that you spend your time on nowadays? Obviously, you see patients. What, you know, what are the other things that you spend time on? And, and how much of your time is spent seeing patients? So I still see patients regularly. Um, unfortunately, my schedule does vary a bit where I I could be in New York one day, California the next day, Miami the day after that, which I think happened last week. 
Um, and wow. so traveling, unfortunately, um, you know, whether I'm giving a talk or if it's tech meetings or whatever it is, um, unfortunately gets a bit complicated. I still schedule patients regularly. I, um, I'm fortunate to have a bit of a backlog of patients. Um, right now I'm, I'm probably at capacity, so I haven't taken a new patient in, I don't know, six months, seven months, I don't know. And I probably won't for uh, a couple of years at this point, I think. But, um, but you know, again, I've actually reverted back to what I like most. I do more, I think, um, the things that make me happy, like the scar work I mentioned, I like to do, you know, a lot of, we still do pro bono stuff. We don't really publicize it, but it's not really meant to be publicized. It's more like kind of for the soul. Um, I do a lot of hair work because it's interesting. I think hair is probably as emotionally burdensome as scars are for people. And so it's very, um, it actually is very fulfilling. And we've been lucky enough to bring on a couple of new dermatologists who have helped, um, you know, with a lot of the stuff that I feel I don't do as much, like the cosmetics and stuff, which I still do with my current patients. But I just, you know, again, if I have a choice between adding on more cosmetics or scars and, and the, again, the stuff I like, I always pick the, you know, the medical kind of, um, service-oriented procedures. And and then, you know, tell me how and and tell our listeners how that how you're balancing that with, you know, skin medicinals and air and tell our listeners sort of what what those businesses are. <laughs> sure, sure. So yeah, lots of different projects. So skin medicinals was um in its quickest summary, uh, back in 2018, there was a super high spike in generic drug pricing. Um, imagine you came to my office and your medication cost $10 and then a month later it cost $200. And this happened across the board, across the country in real time. And the problem is, I think back then the government sued all these generic pharma companies for price fixing, all these things. But, you know, that's great. But the prices never came down. I guess we were waiting for it, but they just did it. And I don't know if they're still in court. So I, I have no idea what happened, but they were. It, the, we have to solve that problem, right? If a patient's staring at me, you know, in the office, I have to figure out how to get them better. So compounding was an important part of dermatology in the 80s, 90s, or before that probably um, and then it kind of shifted with the bigger pharma companies coming in. And so kind of as a, like a ethical loophole, we realized that we could still use compounding um, and create like custom prescriptions for our patients um, to help improve their situation or their conditions. And so, again, the problem with medicine, we were a bit archaic. So, you know, back then we're faxing prescriptions. Um, I think we still fax prescriptions, which is kind of weird. But um, so what I did is we started leveraging um, number. So, you know, instead of me, just a single pharmacy, there were thousands of us using, you know, one or two pharmacies. So we can start driving down the price um, for our patients, um, kind of le leveraging strength in numbers. And then we built our digital kind of platform so you can actually use that more seamlessly. So um, we announced, I think last summer, we had saved $250 million for patients. Um, we're about to hit another big milestone. I can't say it yet, but we're pretty close. I don't want to jinx it, so I'm very superstitious. Um, but we're, you know, we're moving beyond what was I thought was going to be a small project, and it's been such an incredible impact. And you know, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of God knows how many patients we've been able to serve. It's really cool because I don't think in any you know, stretch of imagination, twenty lifetimes, I'd be able to see that many people. Right. So the idea that you can kind of help those people get affordable medications. Um, I think it's just a beautiful thing. So that was, you know, Skin Medicinals. It was, you know, again, a small project that kind of took a life of its own. I think we have 12,000 dermatologists using it now. Um, how did you, 
how did you, you know, like before we move on, how did you, you know, even get them on, on board it and, you know, get them to use this? Like, how did you grow this from your own office to 12,000 other doctors? How did that even happen? So I think that's the part about solving problems that's really important, right? Like a lot of times we build things because we, you know, we think it's a good business idea or it's going to make us a lot of money, right? The simplest, I think the, the best entrepreneurs realize that the simplest uh, business plan should be solve a problem that affects a lot of people. And for us, we didn't have any other options back then, right? So it was like we're texting each other, colleagues, like, hey, you know, I need this prescription for a patient. Have you got, have you found anywhere that's covered by insurance or any pharmacies or any you know places? And you're doing that in real time over and over. And so sometimes when the solution doesn't exist, you kind of have to build it. And so when we built it, it was really the only option we had for so many medications and it spread like wildfire. And we didn't have a marketing budget, an advertising budget. Uh, people just started talking about it organically, sharing it with their own colleagues. They'd be talking about it at conferences. And it just spread um, relatively organically. Uh, and, you know, again, it's it was a simple solution to a problem that we all had. And at that moment now, I mean, even now, actually, there's not still that many options for patients. I'm sure you see when you go you know, to see a doctor, it's like Russian roulette. You don't know what your price is going to be for the medications. Could be all covered by insurance, not covered at all. And even by, even when it's covered by insurance, it doesn't mean that it's let's say zero dollars. It means that you know depending on where who's paying for the prescriptions, your premium could go up year over year, and you know it's kind of like pushing the buck down the road. And so our job was to find a solution that was amenable to everybody. And in healthcare, we understand that you can't like it's not sustainable, right? At the end of the day, if we don't solve these problems, like the healthcare system will collapse, right? It's just impossible for them to pay this much money for these medications that are exorbitant. And I'm very respectful of pharma companies and innovation and creating new drugs. But, you know, a medication that's been around for 30 years, there's no reason it shouldn't cost, you know, as close to nothing mm. as possible, right? It, it's just, it's, there is like, you know, it's, it's, there's a bit of manipulation on that side with patents and things like that. And so our job is to like, you know, again, in the best possible way, provide an option that seems a bit more ethical and feasible for our patients. Also, forgive me for not know, understanding the answer to this, but how does it differ from something like a curology where patients can get like a retinol cream at a relatively affordable price every month? So it depends. There's a lot of different ingredients we use that might not be as, you know, I don't want to speak poorly on a curology because I don't know the specifics of what they do. But yeah. um, I think it's a difference when it's a front-facing company that's D to C and, you know, it, there's a lot more business metrics, whereas we're on the back end. We have mm. so many different options from everything from acne to psoriasis to eczema to warts to hair loss to everything in between. And mm. what we really do is, you know, empower the physicians to be able to select the ingredients that they know or they feel is appropriate for the patient. So it's a lot larger, um, I think, kind of a sandbox to play in. And we've had patients use, you know, again, for anything and everything you can think of. And I think in that respect, it's a bit different coming from your physician who's crafting this versus you know, I don't know, I'm not sure who they use, but I, I, it's it's a bit different, I think, of a um, back-end versus front-end kind of play. No, that is, I mean, I think they're only targeting things like acne and wrinkles, so that makes sense that it's a much broader array of um, conditions that you guys can treat. Okay, so I know you also have AIR. Tell me about AIR. What is AIR? What, how, why did you start this? Because uh, I know you certainly had your hands full already. So <laughs> what was the impetus here? So AIR was simple. I think, um, look, we uh, I've been lucky enough to be impressed enough times about you know clean skincare and all that stuff. And I still don't know what clean skincare is. I don't think there's really <laughs> a definition around it. 
Uh, which it's, I think intentional skincare is a much better term. You know, you try to pick mm. ingredients that are ethically sourced. They, you know, they, every, I always say every ingredient should matter. You shouldn't just add fluff into, you know, things. Uh, but I think scientific skincare is important, right? I think we need to have a validation point where even for me, sometimes these studies, I look at them and I'm like, I think that sounds legitimate, but let me ask somebody and I'll, I'll, you know, ping a colleague who did this study or, or somebody who, you know, might have a bit more insight and try to really figure out and separate, you know, what's really behind the weeds and like what is actually going on. And I think for the average consumer, it becomes really hard because marketing, as you know, is, is, is impressive and incredible these days. And, um, that people have a way of telling you a story without telling you anything at all. And it's, um, you know, I think for somebody like me, I just need to know the science. I need to know, does this work and, and how can you prove it? If you're going to make a crazy claim, like just tell me, okay, what is it based off of? Don't just tell me. You know, I always say like a good example is like vitamin C, right? The dupes in vitamin C. I do love affordable skincare. Obviously, we have SM, but sometimes, you know, R&D can be pricey. Like, a you know, a $6, $8 vitamin C, great. But like, does it work? You know, most vitamin Cs are unstable after like a couple minutes out in the sun, right? So... You know, there, there's a reason why, let's say, like a SkinCeuticals um, is a bit more premium and they had a lot more research behind it, or, you know, PCA or a couple other brands who've put a lot of time R&Ding to make sure these things are actually doing what they say. What AIR really has become is hopefully like a validation point where to come on our platform, so to take a step back, there's, you know, your retail, your Sephora Altos of the world, there's your D2C, you know, social media or websites or influencers. And we've built this kind of new vertical where it's really through it's through your dermatologist and so what we did is we digitized the process the average derm sees i think between 30 and 50 patients a day and gives maybe two to three recommendations four or five depending on the patient and instead of us sending them to amazon or you know Dwayne reed or wherever it is we actually can just have the the product shipped to the patient and we can actually negotiate discounts on behalf of them because the 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 interesting thing about air is you have to apply to get on there we have dermatologists vet the studies, vet the brands. It has to be science-oriented. There has to be some sort of scientific basis for why you should be in front of millions of patients potentially, right? And obviously thousands of doctors. And so we wanted to kind of create that bar where you have to meet it um, and really prove, you know, kind of cream rises to the top, right? So the good brands we think will do really well because derms want them on there, right? Like, a, you know, Neutrogena does a ton of studies around their sunscreens. There's some people who you know, I think we've seen over the last couple of years don't maybe live up to the hype of what they're claiming. Um, and so we try our best to get the quote unquote good guys on there. Um, we, the win-win-win in this scenario is that, you know, I think Derms now can get, can make sure that patients get the products they want. Like, so if I say Cedarfield, they might get CeraVe. If I say CeraVe, they might get Elta. They might, if I say Elta, they might get God knows what. And so now they're getting the products we want, which is part of the care plan a lot of times, especially if it's acne or melasma or, you know, some sort of pigmentation issue. They get it. The patients get it at a discounted price, and now hopefully brands, again, the good ones will rise to the top, and they'll have a new avenue to really interface. And what we do is we provide educational tools for them to the derm. So it's not like you're, you know, you're at a Sephora Ulta where there might be commission based incentives. It's more like okay, like educate. Here's a platform. We'll put you in front of thousands of dermatologists, but like show us why your products are better than the next one or why they're on their own two feet, they're impressive. And so it's grown quickly. We have, I think, over 2,000 derms on that platform. We have also an educational platform on there for residents, um, for sampling and kind of educating them on, you know, how skincare works. We have a marketplace to drive down costs for ourselves. For the, like if I want to buy a, a chair, for example, in my office, it costs $15,000, which is crazy. And so it's a way for us to aggregate 
all the dermatologists to lower pricing for us internally as well. So there's a lot of different pillars with air, but it was just a fun project that I thought should exist. And, you know, I have a lot of... No big deal. You know, so it, it, was, it was fun. But, you know, again, I'm hoping that the listeners and everybody else, you know, when they go see their dermatologist now, the derm will you know, give the prescription options that they feel appropriate. And then when they ask, okay, what sunscreen or whatever I use, A, they'll be able to tell you the ones they love, show you the science behind it, and get it to you for a massive discount versus traditional retail. So the patient goes to their doctor, they say, okay, I'm going to order, you know, my retinol or whatever on skin medicinals. But then for my cleanser and my hydrating serum, they'll log on to, they'll have a, a account with AIR and they can order their products directly. Exactly, yeah. um, and and they would be able to see their doctor's recommendations specifically exactly. for yeah. them. So it simplifies the process. So again, we want holistic health in there. We don't want, you know, it's just... Sometimes you can do a prescription, but all the other stuff you do um, might be causing the issue. So at least a little bit more, I think, control on both sides makes it easier for everybody. So, okay, so you've got your compounding, you know, um, you're recommending over-the-counter products, you're seeing patients, and you're also working with Haley. Um, tell me about your role with with Road and how you met Haley, how you got involved with Road, and you know, what that looks like nowadays. Sure. So uh, Haley's a dear friend. Um, we were introduced through mutual friends that uh, that we knew for a while. I've been lucky to have a lot of people, I think, come to me for formulation advice or consulting or whatever. And and to be honest with you, most times we say no. Um, I'd say nine out of 10 times, if not more. Um, we say no. I was introduced to her. We I think we did a Zoom back in 2020 just to meet each other. And I think, and you've met Haley, obviously, and I think within like 10 seconds of talking to her, you know that she is A, incredibly brilliant, B, very normal, and C, very passionate. And so, you know, I think she was probably interviewing me, I was interviewing her kind of internally, we're just trying to figure out if there was a, a good connection. And when she started telling me her vision for things as somebody who's had, I mean, she spoke about her perioral dermatitis, sensitive skin, like she's had a lot of skin issues that she's been open about. And I think in the celebrity world, people are so terrified of not being perfect. Um, and she was, again, very, I think, vulnerable and honest with her followers or fans. Um, and, you know, I think there needs to be more of it. And so when she told me her vision, um, you know, I was like, oh, this, this seems like a great fit. And obviously, I, they felt the same way. And we started working on the project again sometime during the pandemic. I can't even remember. Um, it was way before it was ever released. And it took time and, you know, it was, it was, it's a true friendship. Um, and then on the business side, you know, I, I, I've been so impressed by how like all in she's been. I mean, she'll send me research studies and ask me thoughts and, you know, critiques about, she's like, do you think this is it or is it enough patience? Or what do you think about this ingredient? And we have like real dialogue, which is really important. Um, and it's been fun to watch, you know, that's a little idea that was such a like important thing to her that's grown to this large, beautiful platform and, you know, having built some things myself, like I, I know how proud you can be of something and how important it is to you, right? It's like a living, breathing thing. And, you know, it's always been the world of road in her head, not just road skincare or just Haley Bieber skincare. It's the world of road, right? There was a there was a, a vision there. And so I've done my best to help, you know, bring it to light um, in any way I've, and I can. And, and they've led with science, which is really important. I mean, if you look at the formulas, um, they're very science heavy. Um, but most important, they're at an affordable price, which I think is, you know, super important. That was something Haley said day one. She's like, this is not going to be something that's, you know, so inaccessible that people can't experience it. Like we want people to be able to get the same high-end experience, but 
in a place where, you know, they're not necessarily compromising, you know, their situation to get there. Is there something that, you know, you feel that you contributed to the creation of of the brand that you're particularly proud of now seeing it on the market? I mean, I just think overall the science, like, again, the science part of it, I mean, people talking about barriers, talking about peptides and having ingredients like niacinamide and having, it's fun seeing these TikToks that get tagged in where they're like, oh, niacinamide 1% versus 2% or, you know, what, you know, this is this, or I use my anti-inflammatory. And it's just like, I think the, like, so, you know, everything's a problem to solve, right? With with that one, I think it was kind of re-educating people on basics of skincare, right? So Haley has been very open about, you know, just the essentials with it. Like she doesn't want to throw out 50 billion products. And just like push, push, push. It's more like, okay, like how do we really like take a step back? I think she calls the white t-shirt method where, you know, it's like the simple kind of essentials used day to day. And within that, I think the social behind road has been more to educate people and to have conversations and dialogue around, you know, things that people don't talk about, like a perioral dermatitis on her, really talking about herself, her own kind of struggles. People talking about, you know, issues they've had with, you know, over exfoliation or you know, how do you care for your skin after a certain, you know, whatever happens. And so I think for me, the science part of it, people say it, but rarely do it. And a lot of times it's for marketing purposes only, but I think we've really done a good job of really putting in the, like that effort to make sure that the formulas are good. They're not like something that feels like, okay, you know, we're putting this weird ingredient because it's trending. Like most of it, like, like I think peptides were kind of known, but not really to the extent they are now before we started utilizing them. Niacinamide was starting to pick up some steam, but you know, obviously we've been working on this for a couple of years. So, you know, we were working on it way before anybody knew, you know, what niacinamide was. And so I think that aspect of it, um, and to credit Haley and the team, they've done they've been very open to the scientific conversation with both myself and Ron Robinson, who is brilliant. Um, and every time, you know, when we're working on products, like any of any and all of our feedback is taken into account. It's you know, it's um, appreciated, absorbed, you know, dialogue occurs. Like we really do, um, we really do feel like it's something that we're proud to be part of um, as opposed to just throwing your name on something, which I think happens all too often. And, you know, that's why the team, like we're proud. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to kind of do anything required, but I, I think I repost, post, I'm so happy to see it out there. You know, it's like, I'm just like thankful to be part of something that's obviously grown to such a large kind of following and community. I love that. It sounds like, I mean, obviously, Road, you know, it's more the products, but it sounds like with your businesses, a big focus for you is sort of like technologically advancing the day-to-day experience of being a dermatologist. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, again, healthcare is so benign. I mean, or behind, excuse me. Um, I told you, we have faxes still in our office and I, I still have no idea. Every time I walk past the fax machine, I'm just so confused and you know, but here we are, right? Like that's no. that's the bizarreness of Earth. And you know, the one thing with SM, the skin medicinals, which was funny. So when we launched it in 2018, we drop shipped the prescription medications to you, right? It comes from the pharmacy directly to the patient. Mm-hmm. In 2018, people thought that was absurd, right? They're like, no, I want to go to the pharmacy, pick up my medication today. Like, why would I wait? And now in 2023, if I send you to the pharmacy, I think you'd rather literally do anything on Earth than go to a pharmacy and stand around, right? And so. Part of it, it's like, if it doesn't exist again, you have to build it. And a lot of the problems we solve, I mean, even, again, simply, my my hope, God willing, in two to three years, you're going to be going to your dermatologist for skincare recommendations. And it's part of our larger regimen. And you'll A, save money, but B, like also have the right products as opposed to, like most people have, and I'm sure you do, I know you do, but uh, they have a <laughs> drawer full of products they purchased or been sent and they use it once and they never use it again, right? Like, 
that's, you know, there's so much waste in this world. And I feel like with skincare, we can be so much more mindful of these things and figure out how do we incorporate stuff? What should we incorporate? What skin type? Um, because it really shouldn't be so complicated. And I, I'm hoping that, you know, trying to solve these problems will make it easier for everybody. What have we not covered of what you're working on? Because I, I know there's some other things that are, uh, you know, in the hopper or launching or recently launched. But what are what are you excited about at the moment? Um, I mean, I have some more projects coming out in the next year or two, but I, I'll get, I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed to speak about them. I get, but as a doctor, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I just, I, I just stay mom on most of the things. And I kind of like to just, even like with road, it was kind of fun to just, you know, not mention it to anybody for a couple of years. Then on launch day, <laughs> we're like, Hey, how's it going? Um, so you know, we have some fun projects coming out. Um, you know, I think in our own office, we just brought on Dr. Shah, um, who I think, uh, you, you've covered actually in the past before, uh, Munib is, I think, one of the more brilliant doctors I've ever met. Um, he kind of sees the world as it you know, should be as opposed to how it is. Um, and he's very similar. He builds it out. I think he's the best educator of you know, skin care and skin health out there. He has, what, 20 million, 22 million, however many million followers. Um, but he's like a brother to me. And for us, you know, he's come on board air. Um, you know, we have the office together. It's really fun to watch him kind of grow into the physician that he's meant to be. Um, and I think people are going to be surprised because it's funny. They always call him a TikTok doctor. I'm like, he's actually a real doctor. I promise you. Like, he's actually really <laughs> good. So it's going to be really cool. We we recently launched that Aesthetica facial in our office. It's this like super fun high tech facial that uh, we layer lasers and different devices and serums, and it's all bespoke. Um, that's gone a bit uh, a bit crazier than we expected. It was really just for our patients originally, but it's it's expanded and now. Um, we try to do drops around new appointments, but there's not really many appointments available. So I think the last one had zero, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, do you have to be in the office for someone to get a facial? Um, myself personally, or are you saying, uh, is it for patients? Well, like, yeah. Do you have to be there personally for someone to get one? Cause there's lasers and all of that. So usually one of the doctors is in, depending on the face, not all the, la- all the facials have lasers in them, but if they do, obviously one of our doctors would have to be there. Um, if it's not me, Dr. Shah or... Dr. Aram or Dr. Mian, they're all um, well, well versed in the lasers. So um, it all just kind of depends. Um, but again, originally it was for our patients only. Like we didn't mean to open it up to the external world. There's just a bit of pressure from the outside in coming. And they're like, hey, how do we get in? How do we get in? So we opened it up. Um, and I'm curious to see where that goes because I don't know. I, I feel like facials are interesting because you feel like you're going to like a McDonald's and picking something out of a menu usually. And it's usually not in the best interest of your skin. (laughs) And so, you know, this way we add a layer of science to it. And I always joke, but I don't, I'm not really as concerned about the results day one, day two, day three. I want to know like day seven, eight, nine, ten, and see how our patients are doing. Cause you know, I think it is a treatment. Like I think you can do it the right way. And you know, where we are um, sometimes again, it's like marketing versus science. Like if I can do my job the right way, you'll see the results way after, you know, our experience together. And that's like where I think the rubber needs to hit the road with a lot of this stuff. And, you know, as a doctor, my job is to really double down on the science part of it. And that's what I'm hoping. And, you know, God willing, we've had a really good response so far. Are you on TikTok nowadays too, yourself? Um, yes and no. So I'm on TikTok. Uh, I barely post on there. I always forget. But um, like, it's funny because I think around road launch, a bunch of stuff went viral. I get tagged in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I got tagged in something the other day. I think Dr. Shop tagged me on a, 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 a somebody who was trying to get married. Um, and he's like, hey, this is for you. And then I got a bunch of messages incoming. And so he thought it was a funny joke. And now I'm dealing with the repercussions <laughs> of that. But 
Um, no, I think, look, I think TikTok's a fun place. It definitely has its ups and downs and it's a bit crazier than um, most other social platforms, but it's also kind of a cool community too. And so, you know, I thought it's really interesting for education and, you know, I get, especially with the road launch, I get tagged a bunch. Um, and it's just kind of nice to see like people really experimenting and like trying to do the things the right way. I mean, there's always going to be weird trends that make no sense, but um, I think inherently, um, just as social media is growing, um, there is more education around things. And people are like, like I think the fact that Dr. Shah's account is so big is that people do crave education, right? Like a lot of these, you know, influencers have gotten so big, Dr. Tamazian, um, Dr. Ozzy, all these guys have gotten so big, Dr. Portella. And people want to just learn a little bit more about how to do things the right way, which I appreciate. When, when you, um, did you connect with Dr. Shah because of TikTok? So he had, um, so he uses a lot of skin medicinals products himself and for his patients. So he had posted okay. about it, I think. So I just sent up a quick thank you. And I, I told him, honestly, I mean, I was just, I said as a, as a, as a person from afar, I'm just so impressed with what he's doing and how, and more so how he's doing it. Right. Like it's, it's one thing to build a following, but another thing to build a following the right way. Right. There's a good and a bad way to do things. Mm. He's always done it the right way. And he, I think he represents our field well. And I just told him, I mean, I've always been one of the people who gets in trouble too much because I are a lot because I'm all over the place doing God knows what, as you could probably imagine. And so um, as somebody who kind of maybe was uh, critiqued a bit for not doing the nine to five dermatology life and building things and, you know, knowing that some people look at that as being not pure or not like, you know, how we're supposed to do things as doctors. I just told them, if you ever need to talk, um, just, you know, I'm happy to get on a call anytime because you're obviously paving a new road. You're not following everybody else's path. Um, and long story short, he, he messaged me a minute later and he's like, are you free in 20 minutes? And we talked for four <laughs> hours um, that night. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we've been like essentially brothers since then. So, you know, it just, it, it, it clicked really well and we're, we come from very similar backgrounds, similar families. We actually grew up not that far from each other. We figured it out. So, um, like I said, I, I root for somebody like that who I believe does things the right way. And in a, in this world, like sometimes you're almost penalized for trying to make everybody happy. But you know, he's a great example that you can do it the right way and get you know the accolades that come with it. When we covered him in 2021. The headline was Meet Munib Shah, the dermatology resident with 6 million TikTok followers. And it seems like, uh, I haven't checked the number recently, but it seems like it's only continued to skyrocket. So he'll be working with you at your New York office, which is in the Hudson Yards area, correct? Correct. Yeah. And um, um, he's just, yeah. we had our first full week together last week. We had all, all the doctors in and it was it was a bit of a madhouse, but it's funny because we're all, we're all so close. As, like We're literally like family. Uh, so it was just really fun to have everybody under one roof. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's going to be a fun journey. I mean, they're probably going to have to yell at us to make sure we're not running behind because we're always catching up and laughing and telling jokes. But, um, you know, I'm sure the parent in the room will will make sure we're, <laughs> we're, we're doing things the right way. I guess really, you know, one of, um, really one of like my, my last questions for you is like, what do you think I, social media has become really a shockingly large part of like, a dermatologist's day-to-day life. I know that there are obviously plenty of dermatologists who, you know, just see their patients every day. But, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I did a newsletter about dermatologists dancing on social media. There are all different ways for derms to engage or not engage. What these days makes sense to you? 
So it's a good question. And definitely there's different layers to that. Um, I can't dance, so I won't dance. Um, I'll be honest with you. If I could, different conversation. But like, I think it's a medium, right? I've always thought about, you know, it's like influence. What does that influence actually mean, right? It's a medium for you to hopefully spread positive messages to people who might not, who might be a bit lost, right? As a doctor, I think our job, um, actually Munib says this very well, like the white coat gives us a, a platform where people think that we're more trustworthy, right? And that's a positive. And we might get more followers because of it. But the negative on it is that we definitely have more responsibility and we have to take that seriously. So you can't do things that compromise the integrity um, of our profession, our patients, our staff, ourselves, any of that stuff. I think the way I look at social, I mentioned I, I you know, I'm not unfortunately seeing new patients now just because I'm so overwhelmed with the with the uh, the ones we have already. I mean, it's so it's so busy, but I use it as I'm not trying to drive new patients. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just trying to educate people. You know, I mentioned um, before you asked how, you know, I was able to start my practice and everything. A couple of my scar cases went viral uh, where I treated a girl who was slashed across the face. And then um, more recently, I, tried, I treated a little boy who was attacked by a dog. And the resounding message, I can't treat everybody, right? But the amount of people who saw those videos or whether it was on TV or whatever it ended up going, um, they were able to be inspired to go get help, right? And they may not have thought it was a possibility before they saw these videos. And to me, I've had messages, emails from literally all over the world, thousands and thousands of me- countless messages. Like, hey, I saw your, you know, your case with this. Like, I would love to have seen you, but you know, obviously you're far away. And I went to my local doctor and I showed him and we started getting treatment and I was too scared to, I was too depressed to. And now I'm, I feel like there's hope, right? And if you can give people hope or give them some sort of positive message, Social media is incredible, right? So I'll never criticize people for not doing it, but I will just say you're really missing out on the opportunity to connect with people. Um, I'll give you one last kind of example. My father, he's a surgeon. We grew up, he grew up very, like on essentially a street dweller in India. He was like, they lived in a small little hut and he became the quote unquote doctor in his little village. And they're in the deserts of India. And we used to go back every other year to do, or every year to do volunteer work. And people would line up for days just to see him and his, and his, his friends. Um, and he is a orthopedic surgeon, so he didn't know internal medicine, but he did his best to care because he was the only doctor they'd probably ever see, you know, in their lifetime. And I always told my dad, I was like, I wanna like I wanna do this too. I wanna give back. I want to like, you know, come back and do these camps. And he's like, no, no, no. There's two kinds of doctors or two types, two types of people. There's a factory worker who you have to use your hands to make every single thing. Um, that's what I am. He's like, I don't have the skill set to do other things, but I can help people with my bare hands. But how many people can I help? You know, how, I can't be here every day. I can help them when I come every year, every other year. But there's a second kind of doctor. The one I want you to be is build things that are bigger than you, right? Go make a million dollars, but then build a hospital with it. Like you can help millions of people that way. So don't chase the money, chase what you can do with it. And I've always had that mentality. And I think social media is the same thing. I can't see every single patient, but maybe I can do some things that can inspire people to get care at their local you know, board certified dermatologist or whatever physician they need and get the help they need and, and they want and they can feel more educated and have a bit more hope. Like, I think that's the rub with social media. And we we forget that. And the dancing is fun. And, you know, although like the, you know, I, I think I posted over at the Jonas Brothers show on Saturday with the guys and we know them really well. Like, that's cool, right? But you'll see, I mean, my posts are very kind of boring, but they're educational. Uh, I might put a little bit of that just to show that I'm a normal human being and maybe not a robot. But it's, you know, I think, you know, inherently we have this unique ability to connect with people. You never know who needs to see that video with, you know, that little boy who got attacked. You know, we, I don't know if you saw the other subsequent story. A girl came to me who was in college who got attacked by a dog. She wanted to be a doctor. I treated her 
And now she's in med school to be a dermatologist. And she's going to help, God willing, thousands of people one day based on the experience with us in our office that she only found out about by watching Instagram, you know, Instagram reel that somebody sent her. And she's like, oh my God, there's somebody who can help me. Because otherwise she was in tears, depressed, wouldn't leave her house. And it was one piece of content that may have changed her life and then thousands of people beyond it. So, you know, it's a, it's a tricky it's a tricky situation. Um, social media is a fine line to walk, but if you do it with grace and do it the right way, God willing, I mean, there's so much positive impact you can have from it. No, those stories are so amazing. And I think like definitely an example of an inspiring way for dermatologists to use social media. Thank you so much for coming on the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I will say this honestly, I'm a big fan of not just this podcast, but everything you guys are doing at Glossy. So thank you. I'm truly honored. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. 